Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Phil Craig. And I'm Andrew Loney. And together we aim to bring you the most scandalous stories and some of the most scandalous people in history. So thanks for joining us here on the Scandalmongers podcast. Well, I think Valentine was our most popular guest of the whole 27 um, episodes we've so far done, wasn't he? He was. Um, and I'm really pleased that he's joining us again. Um, talking of people who are joining us again, <clears throat> you might recognise where I am. Do you remember when we interviewed my friend Tim Clayton? Oh, yes. All absolutely. about the scandalous Gilray and the gorgeous, scandalous Georgians. Well, I'm in his house, staying with him for the uh-huh. weekend. And maybe we'll find out about more scandalous Georgians or. or um... No, it's what are they called now with Charles? Ca- ca- Carolines? Carolians. Carolians, that's right. Really? Yes, we're back to the royals again. Um, and it's funny, I, I still get a certain amount of stick on social media for when we do royal subjects, even though they're very popular. Some people don't think they're as important or serious as, say, I don't know, Boris Johnson or the post office scandal or some of the other things we've done. Um, I mean, both of us have spent quite a bit of our careers doing royal stories. Well, because they're so so popular, and I think there's a real gap there. I mean, few historians have looked at royal subjects, but I think we we try to give a mix. Uh, and I think the great thing about Valentine Lowe is he's a very sensible, level-headed sort of historian. He's not one of those journalists who who just sort of picks up tidbits. True. Also, I'd say maybe in terms of the historical royal stuff that you've been doing, um, and perhaps also Charles and Diana, it is important. It's important because they're famous and people want to know what they think and what they do and what they represent it's also because they have a certain amount of power i mean real power not just cultural power exactly no i think it's one of the interesting things i'm finding with prince andrew is how he was used not just as a trade envoy but but also as a backdoor for intelligence activities so um i agree i think the royal family really hasn't had the the attention it, it deserves, given all the things that they do. We see the surface, but we don't always realise what's going on behind the scenes. I don't think you've told our a loyal army of listeners yet that you're doing an Andrew book, have you? No, a, a revelation for this episode. Yeah, well, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> Who knows what will happen on my social media now? Andrew on Andrew. That's got to be a winner, I would think. Yeah, he's an interesting man. He is indeed. Well, yes, so about... So, yes, yeah, so Valentine's back. Um, he 
I mean, I, I suppose his biggest contribution to the story of uh, of the roles at the moment is he he revealed all the courtiers complaining about the way Meghan allegedly behaved. And this came out around the same time as the Oprah Winfrey interview. And of course, she was making these allegations about how badly she was treated and suggesting there was racial prejudice in the royal family. So he became a really important part of that ongoing um, feud. Um, and he's come up with a new edition of his book, which he's going to talk to us about. Um, and he's particularly been digging into the relationship between Kate and Meghan. Yes. Yes, I'm looking forward. I've read the serial in the Times. There's some you know, interesting new disclosures there. Well, they were. Okay. I think we should go to him. What do you say? I think that's a good idea. Okay. Bye from Suffolk. Oh. <laughs> Bye from London. Valentine, welcome back to our little show. Thank you for having me on. As you'll see, we're no longer in the palatial studios where you first met us. We've exiled ourselves to a, a sort of digital Montecito of Zoom. <laughs> but uh, it's great to have you back. Are, are you still feeling mischie- mischievous? Which is, I think, uh, never stops. Never <laughs> stops. Well, your book is certainly getting a lot of attention in paperback. You've added quite a lot of new material. Yes, yes. I mean, well, the, an awful lot has happened uh, since since I wrote the original version. Right. Uh, the, the Queen, the coronation and so on. And okay. has anything uh, changed? Have you had to revise your opinion about anything? Or do you think you've got, got it pretty right the first time? Uh, I think I've got it fairly right. I've, 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 I've tweaked an opinion. Um uh, the Princess of Wales, as we should now call her, the Duchess of Cambridge, as she was, um, I, I learned something interesting about her, which was, which actually goes back about, goes back to the events, uh, already covered in the book, but, um, you know, it's always possible to glean new nuggets of information. And this was about, um, the famous phrase, some recollections may vary, which was in the statement that the palace released on the Queen's behalf after the Oprah Winfrey interview. Um, now, a lot of uh, authors have been claimed for that phrase. Obviously, it was not the Queen's own phrase. Well, not obviously, but I d- it wasn't the Queen's own phrase. Um, uh, and it turns out that that was uh, the uh, William and Kate's private, William's private secretary, John Christoph. Uh, Gray, uh, he came up with it. He only started the job just like about three weeks earlier. He was, he was incredibly new to it when this this whole Oprah Winfrey crisis uh, came along. Uh, and the if you remember, uh, it was broadcast in America on a Sunday night. So um, those of us who were desperate to watch it had to sort of work out ways of somehow accessing american television overnight sunday into monday uh but it wasn't going to be broadcast in the uk until monday evening on itv so all the hacks we all have been paying attention and digesting and analyzing every cough and spit of this program um coming into monday morning but um most people in britain won't have seen it yet and the palace was very slow to react. They weren't saying anything. Uh, and it turns out the reason they weren't saying anything is the Queen was absolutely determined. Whatever advice she got, she was not going to say anything until she had watched it along with everyone else on ITV that night, on the Monday night. Uh, meanwhile, the, the palace apparatchiks, all the men in grey suits were trying to sort of concoct a reaction and work out, you know, what they should say about the programme. Uh, and um, uh, they, they got a draft response ready. 
and um, it, it 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 sort of did a tipped tipped a nod a bit um, to to the idea that you know whether this was what Megan Harry and Megan had to say was true or not. But didn't really address that very clear, very strongly, um, and also had a phrase about you know Harry and Meghan being much loved members of the family, and it was William and Kate who basically said they wanted it toughened up. They it should address the fact that they, the royal family, uh, did sort of challenge the truth of what some of Harry and Meghan had to say. Uh, and they went away. And this chap, John Christoph Gray, came up with this brilliant phrase, some recollections may vary. And then there was a debate about it amongst all the, 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 the courtiers and the various royal households. And some people in other households were a bit nervous. They didn't think they should include it because they were worried that it would, it would unnecessarily antagonize Harry and Meghan. But the person who was adamant that it should stay in, uh, was Kate, uh, Duchess Cambridge as well, Prince of Wales as it is now, because uh, she made the argument that, you know, we've got to lay down a marker to say that we challenge some of this narrative because otherwise it's just going to be accepted as true. And we've got the future reputation of the royal family to think about. Um, and it shows, it shows a side of, of Kate that's not always appreciated, uh, that she's far steelier. That we think, you know, we think of her you know, looking lovely, wearing nice frocks, um, taking on, you know, good causes. But we, we, we rarely see the toughness. Um, and, and the other thing is, it, it's, you know, her strategic thinking. She's thinking about the long term. She's thinking about, you know, if, if we let Harry and Meghan, you know, control the narrative completely. That's what's going to be accepted forever and a day. And we've got to just make it quite clear that no, we, the royal family, do not accept everything that they said. It's very interesting. Wow. I mean, yeah. nobody nobody doubts the quality of your sources, Valentine. They're the best in the business. And, I'm, and you, you must have um, had some very interesting conversations laying behind the new edition of the book. But yeah. why do you think Kate was so exercised on that particular point? Was it because for the first time they'd been basically accused of having racist opinions in the family. Was that the key thing? Or was it something bigger than that going to her relationship maybe with Meghan? Um, I, it's hard to say. I think the racism thing was a big thing because if you'll remember a couple of days later, uh, a television reporter uh, doorstepped William at some engagement and and asked me if he'd spoken to Harry, and then said, "You know, are you a racist? Are you a racist family?" And he said, "No, we're very much not a racist family." And William, he, the royal family doesn't normally reply to sort of shouty questions from impertinent television reporters. Uh, so the fact that he was so moved uh, to do so suggests that it was an issue he cared a lot about. Um, because it was, it was it was it was really bad at the time. I mean, to to, to and Susan Hussey was thrown under the bus, wasn't she, yeah. to to sort of distance himself from this issue? Yeah, they exactly. They, they it, it's a toxic issue for the royal family uh, race. Um, I mean, despite everything that the Queen, uh, as was uh, and King Charles now, uh, have done positively in terms of race, you know, it it, it, it still. Comes, they still come across as this very sort of white institution, uh, not necessarily in in touch um, 
uh, with sort of modern multiracial Britain. Uh, and that's, have, yeah. So, sorry to interrupt. Have they tried to address that? I mean, are there signs that that's going to change? Uh, well, you, you've, got to, you've got to think of it in two in two different ways. One is you know what they do uh, in terms of the issues they take up. Um, uh, and the causes their spouse. Uh, you know, the Prince of Wales, uh, when Charles was the Prince of Wales, I think he did an awful lot uh, to engage with Britain. I mean, if you think about the Prince's Trust, um, it's there to sort of help young people, but it's helped an awful lot of young black people uh, over the decades that it's been around. I mean, Charles really has engaged with this and he's done an awful lot to kind of address the, the 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 questions raised by some modern multiracial multicultural britain um but if you look at the palace as an institution as somewhere to work um it hasn't really moved for the times there's very very few black faces in there i mean you know and you notice them when they you know so charles has employed a few um some uh he had a, a senior woman in in his communication setup uh who's now does community engagement um uh ava williams as, as she now is um he had a black press secretary a while back but not many and very very few in the late queen's setup i mean she had a, a black query uh relatively recently but um not much else beside it's 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 a pretty white establishment and and we're told that occasionally the signs in in the media um brief stories about you know there's going to be some appointments coming up soon that will start to change this but you know they've they've got a long way to go and i had an interesting conversation uh, when i was writing this book with someone who had been extremely senior in the household uh uh, uh, and this person to me that said to me that they recognized this issue years ago, decades ago, uh, and realized it had to be addressed. Uh, but he, this person accepted that very little has in fact been done over the intervening years and is not quite sure why. But, you know, we all know there's, you can have sort of cultural inertia, can't you? It's very difficult to change institutions. I mean, I, I look at my own industry, actually, the newspaper industry, uh, my own newspaper, I mean, very slow uh, to employ people from ethnic minorities and certainly people from ethnic minorities in senior positions. I mean, you have some very interesting points about the sort of structure of of, of, of the Buckingham Palace and the organisation. And it's you talk about it not actually not being like most organisations with a chief operating officer and a financial officer, but actually three sort of equals. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bit of jousting that goes on between them and presumably it makes it difficult to make change in decisions. Yes, I I, I think it, it, it makes it very difficult. Um, apparently... King George the Sixth used to say, "Don't let ever anyone have too much power," um, so they couldn't. I suppose they, so they couldn't get above themselves and start causing trouble. But uh, the result is again this this kind of inertia, and I think it was seen uh, at its worst in the the Harry and Meghan problem years when. In a way, no one was really in charge of dealing with the problem. You had the people who worked immediately for Harry and Meghan, who were kind of aware of what was going on and struggling to deal with it. But the people ultimately in charge of the palace, um, A, 
I think there were personal difficulties uh, between them and Harry and Meghan. I mean, Harry hated them and they hated Harry uh, and Meghan, uh, as they would certainly admit in private. Um, but also, no one, there was no one person who was going to take take charge of it and deal and just take the situation by the scruff of the neck. Uh, and if it, if it had been addressed earlier, because the first signs that things were going wrong with Harry and Meghan were were evident about a year before they left. Uh, if someone had taken charge of the situation then, um, I think it could have ended more happily. I think the result would have been the same. I think Harry and Meghan would have still left, but it could have been dealt with a lot better. And I think that's all to do with um, this strange sort of flat management structure where you have these various people in charge, but no one really is, is overall in charge so you have you know the lord chamberlain who's like the non-executive chairman and you have the the monarch's private secretary who's like a sort of chief of staff and then you have the um the comptroller who's in charge of ceremonial um and you have the keeper the privy purse who's the money guy uh and none of these people like for instance the privy purse they they don't think of themselves as being responsible to Say the private secretary, or whatever they 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 report directly to the monarch. Um, so it's it it it's it, it's a terrible it's a chaotic structure in a way. So and how we, we first to... spoke to you? Sorry, I'm sorry, Andrew. When we first spoke to you, <clears throat> it was it was getting very nasty, wasn't it? From one side, accusations effectively of racism in the family. From the other, yeah. accusations of bullying and a report that was commissioned and then buried. And it yeah. it, it looked like. Trench warfare. It seems to me, six months on, have things calmed down a little? Have tanks been slightly withdrawn? Um, are things going quieter in California? Or where do you think that sits down, that, that sort of bitter confrontation? Um, I think it's, it's much quieter now because mainly because Harry and Meghan have kind of said what they have to say. They, they, they can't re- keep repeating it. There's no merit in, in repeating it. Uh, they've had their platforms. I mean, the two major platforms being the uh, Netflix documentary and Harry's book. And of course, you know, occasional salvos will come in the court case. You know, uh, Harry's uh, various uh, court actions. Currently, we have, we've got the um, one against the mirror. Um, you know, there'll be, you know, references to the royal family there. But I mean, the, the, the main brunt of their attack, we, we've seen that, and that's over. Um, so who's I, winning? Who's winning? If, if, if to be very crude about it, because it did look like a, a competition for global public opinion six months ago. Who's won that competition? Well, you know, certainly it seems that um, Harry and Meghan Star is slightly in, in the you know <laughs> waning. Um, but I would they seem to be less popular in the states than they were, and they're certainly having their problems because you know the 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 way the um the spotify deal came unwrapped uh and but i would i would i would just sort of sound a note of caution there because for instance when the, the spotify thing um when that when when they parted company with spotify you know all Harry and Meghan's men, uh, enemies, uh, of which there are many on this side of the Atlantic, particularly in the media, uh, they all were absolutely delighted. But of course, Spotify was already having problems with its sort of podcast model and the idea of having celebrity podcasts. So 
it was as much a reflection on that as um, Harry and Meghan's sort of failure to do enough content or do the content they wanted. I think it was just about doing enough content. Um, and also, everyone absolutely loved uh, when the um, Spotify executive, uh, Simmons, was very critical of Harry and Meghan in his own podcast. But you've got to remember that Simmons is a guy who's already been critical of them. So this wasn't, this wasn't a new person uh, suddenly launching an attack on them. It was already someone who was already heavily critical. But, you know, so one shouldn't get too excited about how the mood is changing, but it's certainly, I think it certainly has changed in the States. If you look at the opinion polls, uh, they are much less popular um, than they were because people get sick and tired of whinging. I mean, there's, a, you know, there's only so much uh, negativity uh, you can take. And you, you got to, if you want to be popular, you got to, you got to, you got to sell something positive. And uh, do you think that's what they're going to try and do now? It's definitely what they've got to try and do. And um, we, we all had some fun, didn't we, when when um, that story claimed that uh, uh, Harry's various pitches for podcasts, including uh, oh, yes. uh, uh, Vladimir Putin uh, which, uh, and, and the Pope as well. Um, well, we tried to get him on here, but for some reason he never replied. I thought you were having him on next week. I, I'm very <laughs> disappointed. Um, yeah, I mean, you, the trouble, you know, that's that story. We don't know how good the sourcing is for that story, but it did. It did have the smack of truth. It did feel as though this is the sort of thing that uh, Harry would say. But of course, it, it that does chime with um, how uh, someone who used to work for Harry uh, described it to me. He said he, he's someone who would churn out 10 ideas nine of them would be bonkers and one would be great so you know he, he's got i've always considered harry to be a person with no filter he it, it just all comes out and what you see is what you get uh and so you can just imagine him saying all this stuff um and some of these ideas will never work but there'll, there'll be a gem in there somewhere so uh i kind of believe i believe the putin zuckerberg uh interview idea and, I mean, do you think there's some element of entitlement that, that they don't seem to have sort of accept it, or some do, and 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 some, you know, Princess of Wales, William, seem to be very determined to 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 follow a, a role of public service, where the others, Prince Andrew and others, and Harry perhaps, who who still feel this strong sense of entitlement. I'm not sure um, that entitlement is quite the word with harry um certainly not in the same sense that is um with prince andrew i think prince andrew definitely has this world view that he was born uh into this position and therefore he deserves respect whatever um attention um harry is much more uh he was born uh into this position it's not his fault, uh, and therefore he deserves and requires the protection that comes that it becomes necessary having been born to that position. I mean, I think it's a new, it's it's not that he believes necessarily we should pay attention to him. After all, he, he one of the things he was always very conscious of um, in his years as a sort of working role was this idea that he had a limited shelf life. Um, uh, and, you know, while he was young, 
people would pay attention to him. But as he grew older, and as a new generation of royals, e.g. Prince George and his siblings grew up, uh, he, Harry, would become less and less relevant. Um, and I think someone who has, who's got a strong, and therefore what he wanted to do was achieve as much as he could in the time that the world paid attention to him. And I think someone who believes that, I think it's a little unfair to accuse them of a sense of entitlement. I think it shows an, a, an awareness mm-hmm. of the ephemeral passing nature of royal celebrity. I think he's very ambitious, though. It's a different idea of service, isn't it? It's a more global model. Maybe it's a more digital age model, a more celebrity-driven model, the model that he thought he could brainstorm with Meghan. And, and to an extent, it's worked, but it does seem to be running out of road. And you sort of wonder where he goes next. I mean, it's, it's a slightly sad figure now, I think, Harry. I think he's definitely in danger of becoming a sad figure. Um, I mean, the trouble is, I don't think being a sort of global celebrity is really what he, what's good for him or what he ultimately deep down wants. Um, but, but he's also used to the attention. Uh, I always think really that Harry would be much happier if having left the military, he went off to be work on a conservation project in Africa. I think that would be absolutely the, the right thing for him to do. But, you know, clearly not something that Meghan would buy into. Um, and Prince Andrew once said that he w- wished to be in a plumber. Uh, that was a useful skill to have. <laughs> They are torn. But isn't it the problem we've got in sense of tension? Because the royal family, the king wants to streamline the royal family, and yet the demands on, on the, the working royals grow, grow, and there aren't enough royals to go round. So what's the solution there? Do, do we expect them to do less, use the deputy lieutenants, or do we bring up the Beatrices and the Eugenies and the, the Lady Louises? I'm I'm not, I'm not sure I totally buy this idea that the demands on the working royals um grows. I think the workload is whatever who's whatever the royals around can do. Uh and it's not like there's a sort of fixed number of engagements that need to be covered by them. I mean uh, there are there are um organizations and places who all would like a royal visit um but i think as it were if staffordshire got uh, a a royal away day once every eight years as opposed to once every three years i'm not sure they would necessarily really notice or necessarily be any of the poorer for it um i i i i think you know all those things that um the kind of more minor roles used to do um you know the world can survive without those engagements being carried out uh, and i think the the marginal difference the the the, the appreciable marginal difference is 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 hard to notice and hard to quantify Right, interesting. And I mean, did you f- have people come to you after the book came out, preparing, prepared to talk to you, felt that this was a serious book which shone new light on the royal family? Um, and, and do you feel sometimes that people are trying to use you, that people are spinning to you, that you're part of a briefing war that's going on? And how do you deal with that? Um, I think I have, uh, well, I've, uh, interesting, I've, I've got some feedback from various sort of 
courtier-related people uh, who basically give quite positive feedback, um, saying that I kind of got it more or less right. Um, and which on the one hand is pleasing. Uh, on the other hand, you think, oh, my God, have I not been harsh enough? <laughs> have, I, have I let them get away with it? And you, <laughs> you constantly question yourself about whether you've got it right. But I think, I think I've got it more or less right. And, yeah, the idea of people using you, briefing walls, you're always aware of that. Uh, and you just have to make sure that whatever they tell you, you try and check it to the best you can. You try and look at it in the context of who they are and what story they want to tell. Um, you know, so for instance, with Harry and Meghan, you know, there were people, some people talking to me who, you know, are not the greatest fans of Harry and Meghan, but you try and temper that. I didn't necessarily put absolutely everything in that they told me. Uh, and you try and temper that with what other things you know and try and produce a more balanced and nuanced portrait. I mean, I, I was. I went out of my way not to make a, an attack on Harry and Meghan, and there, there are different bits where uh, I'm I ex- express sympathetic opinions towards them because you know they w- they weren't always wrong. Interesting. Since I've got you, since we've got you, can I try my theory out on you, Valentine? <laughs> I, I was going back to Dimbleby's book on Charles, and there's yeah. lots in there where Charles is opining about how ridiculous his job is. A lot of it is trivial, it's silly, it is the Lord Second Silver Staff Holder of Staffordshire opening some silly event and it's making mindless chit-chat. And how he kind of pushes against that. He wants to do something significant, whether it's about medicine or the environment. And he, at risk of being a little bit ridiculous, he, he tried to do that. And maybe Harry's got a bit of that in him too, that he wants to be a significant figure. But then there are other voices, perhaps one of them is Camilla, perhaps one of them is Kate, who say, do you know what, guys, it is a bit silly what we do, but people like us doing it. Let's keep doing it for an awful long time. And then people love us like they love the Queen. So isn't that tension between striving for great importance and just accepting what we're doing is a bit silly, but people like it? Um, it's a tension that's always there, and I see it most vividly uh, in Camilla because she's a very friendly person. She knows the journalists, she knows our names, she, she talks to us, says hello. Uh, and if she's doing an engagement and you can it's very easy to catch her eye because she almost wants to have her eye caught. And there's, there's a kind of twinkle in her eye that says, this is absolutely ridiculous what I'm doing right now, but let's soldier on and let's pretend it's all okay and makes perfect sense. Uh, it's, 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 it's a very kind of endearing, uh, quality she has. And, you know, they're, they're always doing this. Um, they will go and do an engagement or a series of engagements, which is always about, um, often about something serious, something worthy, something, a cause or an issue that, needs highlighting and they know that if someone says something daft to them or they say something amusing that will be the story or the daily mail will focus on what kate's wearing or or ridiculous things and they just kind of hope that okay that's how it gets into the media but the media will also talk about whatever it is homelessness or you know alternative meds you know whatever the issue that they're going on it's that's the compromise that always faces them, and they, they they just kind of have to accept. And you know, 
what's very noticeable with William and Kate, and, and I'm absolutely not saying it's not true of Charles and Camilla, but it, it's been particularly noticeable of William and Kate recently, is how they've got these projects which they are desperate to try and um, get attention for. So with Kate, she's got her early years uh, centre. Uh, William recently launched this thing about um, homelessness um, to try and eradicate homelessness. I mean, God bless him. You, you can't fault him for lack of ambition. Um, uh, and, you know, they work very hard trying to get attention for that. Um uh, and, you know, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but it, the tension is always there. Um, and it's, it's, it's not going to go away because we're, we're, we, the media and ultimately we, the public, uh, can't be forced to pay attention to whatever good causes they want to promote. Uh, you have to, you, you have to be, your attention has to be has to be uh, wooed and sought and, uh, and 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 fought for. Do you think there should be more coordination between the households? That you know there've been tensions in the press certainly between William and his father, with one sort of upstaging the other. Uh, you know this coordination of of, of publicity initiatives isn't always a, always very clear. Yeah, I mean, we saw that um, the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, when uh, William gave an interview to the Sunday Times, which made the front page of the paper uh, on a day when the, I think Charles might have been hoping that the uh, drooping of the colour would dom- dominate the front pages. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's happened for, it happens now, it'll happen again. I think you ever, they coordinate fairly well, and I think broadly speaking, relations between the households are okay at the moment. But I think there there have been one or two one or two moments of tension, certainly, and it's very hard to litigate litigate against that. I mean, what seems to be interesting is 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 the the role of Camilla, Kate, and and Sophie Wessex sort of play because in some ways. They seem to have a surer feel sometimes for what's required in the job than the people who are born into it. I mean, is that a fair comment? Um, I think it's it's. I think they're all slightly different. So I think what Camilla brings is is a groundedness uh, and a and a sense of the real world that Charles might lack. Um, I think William is more grounded uh, in reality than his father is, and therefore doesn't need that quite so much um, from Kate. But she definitely, she definitely brings she brings a reassurance uh, uh, to that relationship. And of course, she 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 was often the, the peacemaker or tried to be the peacemaker with Harry. You saw that um, after Philip's funeral when she kind of brought the brothers together and Sophie Wessex um you know don't, let's forget she had a shaky shaky start when she got um stung by the the fake shake um but she she kind of brings a naturalness you know I think you know uh Edward he's he's he has his virtues but um he has been brought up in that <laughs> In that royal cocoon, hasn't he? Um, and she, she, you know, she's worked in the real world, but she's she, she's a very engaging 
character. I think people people warmed to her. I remember once um, uh, my wife, who uh, is to do with education, um, they were going to get a visit, and they weren't quite sure whether it was by Edward or Sophie. And, and the word behind the scenes is, "Oh, let's hope it's Sophie because she's great." You know, um, people people like engaging with her. Uh, I mean, you know, she 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 goes down well with it whenever she whenever she does a visit. And that's I think it's that's just what like, she it's just like Dada's time again, isn't it? The women are always more entertaining than the men in this matter. Yeah. It seems to be. But final question for me: We are getting close to the end of our little little Zoom slot. I mean, it seemed a while ago like a crisis. Opinion polls did seem to be moving against the royals. The Queen died. Everybody was surprised. I was surprised at how emotional that felt and how powerful that moment was. Yeah. Um, and then the sort of Harry slash Meghan slash William and Kate melodrama has calmed down. Do you think the royals are in a better position now than they were a year ago? Uh, I think it's certainly calmed down. I think um, reached a certain point of stability. Um, the opinion polls are fairly steady. They're not always as great as they might be, but they don't show a, any catastrophic decline in popularity for the royals. Um, I often get asked about, you know, what I think about the long-term future, and I got a sort of pat answer for that: is uh, they're certainly good for another fifty years. Um, uh, who knows what happens after that? I couldn't going to guarantee what they'll be here in 200 years time but um i think definitely they're good for the next 50 50 more podcasts andrew <laughs> well we'll have to come back everyone. sooner than that to see what the situation is so thank you so much you're always full of fascinating yeah, well, you've got the best sources mate and we do appreciate you sharing them and thank you very much indeed pleasure lovely talking to you Thanks. see you in 50 years <laughs> all sooner <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Scandalmongers podcast. This has been a podcast world production. You can get in contact with our show by emailing team at podcastworld.org, placing Scandalmongers in the heading, or via our social media links within the show's bio. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.